This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I am an attorney retired from the active practice of law and now spend my time working as an insurance claims consultant, an insurance claims expert witness, an author, and producer of these videos. Today it's time to talk about the sick building syndrome something that comes up in many construction defect suits and claims against insurers for the right to defend or indemnify. Sick Building Syndrome, or SBS, covers a whole range of health problems that are related to toxin exposure in a building. There are serious questions raised by physicians and mold experts about the existence of a true relationship between the mold and bacterial infections that have been reported to be the causes of SBS. SBS is used to describe situations in which building occupants experience acute health and discomfort effects that appear to be linked to time spent in a building, but no specific illness or cause can be identified. The complaints may be localized in a particular room or zone, or may be widespread throughout the building. In contrast, the term building-related illnesses, or BRI, is used when symptoms of diagnosable illness are identified and can be attributed directly to airborne building contaminants. Some causes of the sick building syndrome can include things like toxic fumes, growth of bacteria, toxic gases, spores from fungi, and so-called toxic mold. The symptoms of an SBS, in some cases, show where building occupants complain of symptoms associated with acute discomfort, such as headaches, eye, nose, or throat irritation, dry cough, dry or itchy skin, dizziness and nausea, difficulty in concentrating, fatigue, sensitivity to orders and nosebleeds, shortness of breath, and or exhaustion after minor exercises such as walking, a burning and watering of the eyes and nose, hoarse and sore throat, and heart palpitations. The symptoms described are so broad that they could be the result of almost any illness or toxic exposure. However, Experts and courts have noted that toxins in certain molds have been suggested to be a medium that triggers asthma attacks in certain people sensitive to mold. The toxins might also act as irritants and can exacerbate asthma in otherwise non-system-sensitive people. Hypersensitivity pneumonitis has also been linked to both short- and long-term exposure to molds. It may develop following either short-term, that is acute, 
or long-term, that is chronic exposure to molds. The disease resembles bacterial pneumonia and is uncommon. Then there is pulmonary hemosiderosis, a lung disorder that occurs in infants and children, which causes bleeding in the lungs. The disease is rare, and the cause is unknown. SBS sometimes claims to have caused idiopathic pulmonary hemosiderosis, something, a disease that is most common in young children but can occur in adults. Pulmonary hemorrhages, that is in the lungs, are most often mild and continuous but can be severe. Blood in interstitial spaces leads to pulmonary fibrosis. Patients may live for several years developing pulmonary fibrosis and insufficiency with chronic secondary anema. Some commentators have suggested the disease may be caused by exposure to mycotoxins produced by Stachybotrys chartrum uh, or other fungi growing in moist household environments. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported, quote, overall, the evidence from these studies was not sufficient quality to support an association between S. charterum and AIPH. In addition, the reviewers noted that evidence from other sources supporting a causal role of S. charterum in AIPH is limited. First, AIPH is not consistent with historic accounts of animal and human illnesses caused by the mold or related toxigenic fungi. Second, clusters of AIPH have not been reported in other flood-prone areas where growth of S. charterum or other toxigenic fungi might be favored. Third, the Mold Disease Association observed in the Cleveland investigation was not observed in the investigation of a similar cluster in Chicago. Close quote. A study concluded that Stachybotrys charterum produces the mycotoxin satrotoxin H, which is implicated in very high cytotoxicity and several environmental allergic reactions. The various cases and papers concerning the toxicity of contact with mold sores has met with serious concerns that people can really be sickened by exposure to mold spores. People litigate the issue. Some experts say enough to cause a jury to believe that mold spores caused injury, but the scientific evidence is simply not convincing. Some cases involving plaintiffs claiming to suffer from SBS have been the result of suing building owners, building managers, architects, engineers, construction managers, contractors, subcontractors, material suppliers, 
and manufacturers for the contamination of the building. Claims normally include several causes of action, including breach of contract, breach of express warranty, breach of implied warranty, strict liability, negligence, breach of the covenant of quiet enjoyment by constructive eviction, fraudulent concealment and misrepresentation, nuisance, assault and battery, and emotional distress. In most cases, complainants report relief soon after leaving a sick building. In Montgomery Mutual v. Chesson, a Maryland case from 2007, the Maryland Supreme Court found that where it was unclear whether the medical community generally accepted the theory and testing methods underlying the medical expert's diagnosis that exposure to mold caused certain ailments described as either sick building syndrome or biotoxic illness, that testimony could not be allowed without first submitting the expert's testimony to a hearing. Similarly, in Cunningham v. Master Wear Corp., a Seventh Circuit decision from 2009, and Young v. Burton, a uh, district court decision from 2008, a doctor was not allowed to testify about the cause of a person claiming injury from sick building syndrome because the expert could not pass the requirements of the Daubert standard. In cases where a tenant has been unable to occupy a building due to fumes or gases, a tenant can sue the building owner. For example, in Richardson v. Nationwide Mutual, a 2003 case, the plaintiff claimed that she suffered serious personal injuries, including brain damage, as a result of inhaling carbon monoxide fumes from a leaking gas furnace located on the premises. Prospective tenants should always alert state or local authorities because owners have a duty under state or local statute or ordinance to abate a health hazard. One of the earliest cases addressing these issues is Lawrence v. USF&G, a Wisconsin Court of Appeal case from 1990. In Leverance, occupants of homes built by the insured contractor filed suit alleging their homes retained excessive moisture within their exterior walls, promoting the growth of mold, mildew, fungus, spores, and other toxins that caused a continuing health risk and adversely affected the value of their homes. They alleged the defective design of the walls and roofs and inappropriately selected building material resulted in excessive moisture and they sought recovery for both bodily injury and property damage. In a later case, Donald versus Urban Land Interests, another Wisconsin case in 1997, the Wisconsin Supreme Court held that the pollution exclusion in an insurance policy did not apply in a sick building claim where an inadequate air exchange ventilation system in an office building 
cause an excessive accumulation of carbon dioxide in their work area. The resultant poor air quality caused the plaintiffs to sustain headaches, sinus problems, eye irritation, extreme fatigue, etc. The analysis in Donald was directed primarily to the bodily injury claims arising out of exposure to harmful mold and organisms in the air inside so-called sick buildings. In Sentex Rooney Construction versus Martin County of Florida 1998 decision, the county sued for dampness in a new construction of a courthouse that promoted mold growth and excessive humidity. On appeal regarding the scientific basis for the expert opinion supporting the verdict, the court affirmed a $14 million verdict against the construction manager. The damages were awarded for the cost of repairing the courthouse to prevent future water infiltration. There can be multiple complaints of respiratory problems, cognitive defects, and claims of damage to property in any given case. Legionnaire's disease, another type of sick building issue, acquired its name in 1976 when an outbreak of what was believed to be pneumonia occurred among persons attending a convention of the American Legion in Philadelphia. Later, the bacterium causing the illness was named Legionella. Patients with Legionnaire's disease usually have fever, chills, and a cough which may be dry or may produce sputum. Some patients also have muscle aches, headaches, tiredness, loss of appetite, and even diarrhea. Laboratory tests may show that these patients' kidneys are not functioning properly. Chest x-rays often lead to diagnosis of pneumonia. It's difficult to distinguish Legionnaire's disease from other types of pneumonia by symptoms alone. Legionnaire's disease is a direct result of any of the following construction defects. 1. Defective air conditioner materials including any of the following. Insufficient splash bars, cooling towers, or evaporative condensers containing Legionella or other microorganisms brought in by circulating air or water, or a break between the air conditioning system ducts and those of the cooling tower or evaporative condenser. 2. Improper installation of an air conditioning system. 3. Defective repairs to an air conditioning system. 4. Existence of standing water in a structure. or 5. A design defect that allows moisture droplets to enter the air circulation. This should make clear that there are multiple causes for the so-called sick building syndrome and that a thorough investigation and use of qualified expert witnesses can either prove the existence of a tort or give you a defense to that tort.
This uh, video was adapted from my book on construction defects, Volume 2, which is available as either a Kindle book or as a paperback from Amazon.com or from my website Zalma.com by clicking on the link to the insurance claims library where the eight volume work on construction defects is only part of the many different books uh, that I have written and that are available through the website. If you found this video to be of use to you and of interest to any of your colleagues, please pass it on and subscribe to my blog so that you can learn about different and new blog posts as well as the new videos that I tend to create on a rather daily basis.